Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. We are so happy you're joining us. My name is Chismari Ramos, and I'm here with my ladies, Kira Kelly. Hey, moms. And Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And we always say that we have a special episode. They're all special. <laughs> we love our guests and our, and our time here with you guys. But this one is beyond special, I think. Why, Kristen? Why don't you tell us why? Well, first of all, we say a lot that we like introducing people that we love to the people that we love. And we have that definitely this morning mm -hmm. because we have a special guest with us, Jeannie Hodges-Peoples. And Jeannie and I have known each other for a long time. We grew up at First Baptist together, and she was a lot more famous than me. So, <laughs> she, uh, so you know, she, we've been friends for a long time. We've shared a cabin at camp together. And then we had the privilege of she and her husband, James, moving here mm -hmm. with their family for several years. And so you ladies know her too yeah, and are friends with yeah. her as well. And to know Jeannie is to love her. You'll find that out as you listen today. She's just full of the spirit and just so joyful. She gets me in big trouble if we ever sit together in church. <laughs> she gets everyone she in trouble. Too much and then I get <laughs> She's so fun. But Jeannie, welcome today. And I'm going to have you introduce your family in just a minute. But the topic for today, Mom Village, is entitled Welcome to Holland mothering a special needs child. And so Jeannie, would you just introduce your family and talk to us this morning about that? Yes. Thank you so much, sweet ladies. This is, man, this is just a joy for me. I love each of you and it's so fun to get to be together this morning. So a little bit about my life in a nutshell. I was born and raised in Jacksonville. Like Kristen said, we, we both lived here. And so I'm a proud native Floridian and <laughs> I'm just so grateful First and foremost, that God blessed me with a wonderful, godly family, um, parents that love the Lord and raised me and my sister to love and to live for Jesus and just couldn't be more grateful for that and for that foundation. And then at the ripe old age of 17, some of you have 17 year olds, you know, we think we're so grown at that point. <laughs> and I was really such a baby at 17 when I moved 10 hours away from home to Lynchburg, Virginia. I moved up there to travel with a singing group from Liberty University. And boy, that was a big change, but a wonderful time in life. And little did I know that my future husband, he had begun, he had began attending there at the seminary just a semester before me. He also was traveling with a singing group. He was from North Carolina. So God just allowed our paths to cross there and as the story goes, we started dating and fell madly in love and were married. And then after only 10 months of being married, God called us back to my home state, to Florida, to a town just outside of Gainesville in North Florida, where James began pastoring um, his first church. And in that time, we were so blessed to have two beautiful daughters. You're going to hear a lot more about them, of course, Emily and Dana, and they are just such precious gifts. And we were honored to serve in that same church for just 
shy of 24 years. Just love that place, love those people and, and the lives we shared there with them in ministry. And four years ago, God called James to come along with the North American Mission Board, where he's been serving for four years. And like Kristen said, that initially moved us to South Florida, where we were just so blessed, such a hard transition. And God could not have blessed us to be in a better place with people that already loved us and then new friends that just took us on and loved us like family. So we spent two years in West Palm and then God moved us again back up to Jacksonville. So kind of full circle. I haven't lived in Jacksonville in over 30 years, but God moved us back here as James is now overseeing all of the new church plants for the whole state and just seeing wonderful works that God's doing there. And so I am back in Jacksonville with my family and it's just been wonderful. So here we are. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Jeannie. So as we've said, this episode is about mothering special needs children. You mentioned your two sweet girls, and I don't want to say too much, but can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with your daughter? And when you were made aware that your daughter was going to have some special needs, can you tell our audience, how did you respond to that? How did you and your husband take that information in? Yeah, of course. So Dana is our second daughter. I was pregnant with Dana and things were, you know, going normally as pregnancy goes, all except the, you know, all day morning sickness with some of us. Some of us are lucky enough to experience that, but that just (laughs) kind of comes along with it sometimes. Other than that, things were, you know, just normal pregnancy. And at about, you know, some of the weeks were, you know, around 18 weeks, I believe, uh, is when we, along with my whole crazy extended family, went to our doctor's office, you know, the big VHS tape in hand <laughs> to find out. You remember those days, girls? Well, Jisma doesn't. We're mad that Jisma doesn't know. tape in hand to find out the gender of the baby and we all got pulled into the ultrasound room, but the nurse pulled James and myself aside and she proceeded at that point to just tell us that a routine blood test that we had had a, a week or so before had come back and just in that blood test it had shown a one in a hundred and eighty one chance that our baby had Down syndrome. So of mm. course that news, you know, we're there for a joyful occasion to find out what we were having and, you know, our hearts sank, but she quickly just kind of went on to explain to us that that particular blood test, that screening sometimes showed false positives. So the first step beyond that was just to repeat that blood test and we would just go from there. So that was sort of like a wow, major information that we took in and then went on into the room to have our ultrasound. And we found out that day that the Lord had blessed us with another daughter. We were so excited. We didn't care what we were having, but just to be able to see her and share that excitement with our family, we were having another little girl. And soon that second blood test came back and it showed the same as the first. So we were really quickly sent to a team of high-risk doctors and they performed all kinds of other further testing. And then I I say we we entered into one of the longest waiting periods we felt like of our lives. It was about a two-week waiting period that felt like two years mm-hmm. for those test results to come back. And we don't have enough time for me to detail all the things, little things that were really huge things that occurred during that two-week waiting process that were such clear evidence of the hands of God. He was definitely right there with us inside. We were about to go crazy, but God was just right there easing, easing those days as they went by. And one day I was home with Emily, who was almost three at the time. And I heard our garage door open and then I just heard it close. And it was just strange because normally if James was coming 
home for lunch, you know, for the day I knew. And, but he hadn't planned to come home that day, but he was home. And just the way he shut the garage door and walked in. And as soon as I saw his face, I knew that something was up and I kind of knew, but by mistake, which in hindsight was no mistake at all. The doctor was supposed to call my phone or our phone at home. He called James at work, which isn't what we thought was supposed to happen, but in God's sovereignty, I'm so glad that he allowed James to get that phone call, not me at home alone with Emily. Mm. But James came in and he had received that news that we had kind of feared. And he came home to share it with me that the test had showed definitively that Dana had Down syndrome. And our initial response, honestly, was what I, I think would be anyone's response, I think, to be expected. We found out, you know, we, we sat down on the couch together and cried some of the hardest tears I think we ever have. And once we calmed down, we headed to Jacksonville to share with my family and meet with my doctor the next morning. And the next day at my appointment, the doctor sat across the desk from us. He was crying along with us, tears just flowing. And he went on to tell us that he had to give us our options, even though he knew us. He knew our he knew our faith and he knew that there were no options for us. And he was right. Mm-hmm. And this was just the beginning of how God used our little girl's life to really broaden our sphere of influence for him and to really just shape our hearts in a whole new way. Abortion was not an option. As Psalm 30, you know, 139 tells us, we knew that she was fearfully and wonderfully made. She was being knit together in my womb and whatever her life was going to look like, whatever ours was going to look like, we, you know, we knew with God's help, we were going to take it one day at a time. We were going to love her with all of our hearts. And I think at that point, my life verse that I had loved for a long time, I think it became all the more clear to me and real to me. Jeremiah mm-hmm. 29, 11 through 13, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. And, you know, it goes on to say, you will call unto me and I will I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And man, we were doing some serious seeking and calling out to God just for just for help in this time of uncertainty and time of need. And grateful that I can say he was always there. So that's sort of how the journey began. Well, you and your your whole family is just such a testimony of that fact that God has been there and is there. And so tell me a little bit about in, in the early days how yeah. did you know bringing home this mm-hmm. sweet bundle how did how did that affect your home your marriage and then how did that affect emily yeah that's a great question because it it does affect the whole family the remainder of my pregnancy was filled with you know, I mean just extra multiple appointments scans different things and we were blessed to get some you know really great information when i was pregnant with her it's amazing and i mean i can't even imagine what technology can do now because even then you know they were able to look at some really important things like dana's heart and see that she didn't have a heart defect which which is huge i mean that's something that many many sweet ones with down syndrome deal with um so we had lots of appointments and things but when we went to the hospital for my labor to be induced something so strange happened and it was it was so sad to us we were honestly we were treated like celebrities coming to perform some heroic act because we had chosen to have her and not Mm -hmm. terminate terminate the pregnancy and it just knocked us off of our feet i mean from the very first lady i saw that checked me into the hospital that morning she was in tears as she told us she had never met a family knowing this diagnosis beforehand that still chose to have their baby wow. and 
she was the first of several that we encountered nurses, different people in that stay there. And Mm. we were able to tell each one of them that we were not heroes. We were just parents that loved and adored our baby and wanted her no matter what she was like. Mm. And I I looked this up this past week because I knew what it was then. And it remains the same now, but the abortion rate of Down syndrome babies is 90%. So of course, any abortion is heartbreaking to me because every baby is, is God's, Mm. but Among those that know that they they have a Down syndrome baby before they birth it, they choose abortion. It's just unbelievable. So we knew again that she was made exactly how God wanted her. He didn't make any mistakes. So when she was born, we had some challenges, but there could have been so many more. And you know what? I'm not going to lie, ladies. We were scared. I mean, we were we were yeah. in totally uncharted territory. You know, after you have your first baby and things, you kind of figure it out. And you think, yeah. I got this. Yeah. I, know, I know what to do with a baby. I know how to do this. You know, you feel like some expert when we're really not. <laughs> we, yeah, we're really not. Yeah. But we quickly came to realize that, and someone shared this with me, and I've shared this with so many moms since, that no matter what her challenges were, she was still just a baby. She ate, she wet her diaper, had to have diapers changed, she cried, she did all those things that our first baby did. And of course, you go through different periods of emotions. I mean, let's be honest, we don't want our kids to face any hardships of any kind, do we? I mean, we just just don't. We don't want them to have a hurt toe, much less have something we know that they're going to have struggles that come along with it their whole life. So to know your child is being born with something that will forever alter his or her life and the lives of your whole family, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And you do mourn at times what you dream life would be like. But at the same time, we were just so incredibly honored that God would choose us for such a special task. I don't know why he did. There's certainly nothing special (laughs) in and of myself, you know, on my own, but he did. And we have been so blessed. So Having little ones that have no disabilities, you know, that still poses a challenge for our marriages in the sense of time and finding ways to spend with your spouse. And then you tack on to that one that requires so much extra care. It does pose an even greater challenge. But one thing right off the bat that we felt was very important to us is that we wanted to walk this journey as a family. We wanted to include Emily. We wanted to be sure that for instance, Dana started physical therapy as a two-week-old infant. I mean, at two weeks wow. old, we were taking her to therapy. And honestly, we've been doing several days of therapy since then for most of her life. There's been, you know, periods of time where we've had it. But when James could possibly work out his work schedule, he came along for those sessions as much as he could. And when he couldn't, Emily always did. I mean, she was three or three and a half years old. She was always able to take an active role in those sessions, which I I give a lot of credit to those therapists that were wonderful that included her um, and involved her. And she thought that was great. I mean, we would Mm -hmm. need probably two two more podcasts, at least for me to expand on (laughs) what a precious big sister she is and always has been. And we don't have time, but let me just say this part of God's master plan for our family was without question in the sibling he gave to Dana. Emily Mm -hmm. has always adored her. And because of her, Emily's now just to share a little bit about her, she's, we are watching her and it's beautiful to watch her fulfilling her lifelong desire. She's a doctor of occupational therapy. She's working with children, many of the same challenges as Dana, and she's making such a difference. And that's been one of the greatest experiences we've, blessings that we've gotten to experience. But James and I, how it's affected our family and marriage. We've been married for more than 28 years now, and God has been so good to us, but it is hard to find time for just the two of us. Dana has 
different medical challenges and things that makes it nearly impossible for both of us to be away from her at the same time. So we try when we can. And then we have to be really creative to find other ways to spend time together. I shared the abortion rate of people with Down syndrome babies, but the divorce rate for special needs parents, ladies, it's just as high. It's in the 90% range. (sighs) Yeah. And I'm not just talking about Down syndrome. I'm talking about any kind disability. of disability. Mm-hmm. Parents just, it can so easily tear the parents apart because you are just being pulled out so constantly. And it is so hard to etch out that time that, that that's another just sad, sad, you know, statistic. But there are things like we will never be empty nesters. It's never going to be just the two of us. And that's mm-hmm. one of those things that at times we do mourn that sometimes that I can't just, James travels a lot. I can't just go travel with him on the weekend. I mean, it takes a whole lot for me to be able to do that. And then it takes him talking mama off the ledge and telling me, trust God, she's going to be fine. So, you know, it's just, but in saying those things out of Dana's 21 years, the blessings of this life that God's called us to so far outweigh its challenges. And I encourage special needs families to be involved as a family. We may go into therapy, a fun outing to look forward to for Emily. When even as a mama, many times I was absolutely overwhelmed. I was exhausted. I wanted our Emily to enjoy it, not dread it and resent the needs that Dana had. And at the same time, it's also super important. And this, this is for all of us, but it's taken a little bit more intentionality. I feel like in our situation to really etch out those alone times with Emily, to take her and do the things that Dana really can't go do. So we've tried, I'm not saying we've done it all perfectly by any means, but we've tried to be really careful to to do those things because a special needs child does require so much more time and attention. And we never wanted Emily to feel like the only thing we did for fun was go to therapy and doctor's appointments. (laughs) So, you know, that's just a little bit of how we've tried to, to do it in our family. And it seemed to be helpful and it's worked. Wow. So much, so much. We're, we're just holding our hearts here because we as moms, you know, isn't, isn't like a reality check ladies. Like I'm, I'm listening to you and, we're just, I just feel like sometimes we we complain on our daily routines so much, but then listening to you, we're so thankful for so many things. And at the same time, realizing, you know, that sometimes when you look at your neighbors, your world is not that hard, you know, you can do right. it. So, and you tell, know, oh, no, go ahead. Go, you know go what, ahead. God, and I'm so thankful that God has just, just my particular personality, don't get me wrong, I am a worrywart at at the greatest sometimes, <laughs> but the personality that I have, I've for the most part always tend to see things, you know, the glass half full. And I'm thankful because there's not a time that we take Dana to the hospital when she's had to be there or therapy that I don't see someone that is having it so much harder than we are. And you're right. It does put it into perspective, even for us, mm-hmm. that there's always someone that that's walking a tougher path than you are. So I don't walk around having a pity party. It's just reality, what we live in. And we are thankful and we do have joy in the journey, even when it's hard sometimes. So tell us who, who's Dana? Like we, we oh, heard, we heard about man. her. We know it's an urban legend now. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, tell us, tell us who's this precious Dana, like who, who she is, like yep. her personality, like how can you describe this beautiful girl? Goodness, where do I even begin? She is Without now crying. 21, which I can <laughs> barely let pour from my mouth. I can't believe she's 21 years old. And she, she truly is an angel. She, so as I've shared, she was born with Down syndrome. She was later diagnosed at about six years old with autism. And autism, honestly, has by far been the greater challenge of the two. Our lives were really drastically 
changed when she kind of withdrew from everything. She could barely tolerate going anywhere in a crowd. That was seriously the case for years. So we had to alter many things, even our lives, even my life at church, you know, as a pastor's wife, you're always involved at everything at church, especially as a new pastor's wife, you know, before I had children, I mean, I was at everything, but I had to see a lot of those seasons really change because she, she just could not tolerate it. So we had to change a lot of things, but Dana is, she's nonverbal, but for those of you that know her, you may even end up hearing <laughs> yeah. her. She is very vocal. There's a difference. <laughs> she likes to ooh and ah and make sounds, but we, one of the greatest blessings that we don't let a day go by and not thank the Lord for this. Dana is one of the happiest little souls you will ever meet she has got and and all children that deal with her same challenges are not and we are so thankful for that she smiles she loves life and thankfully in the last several years I don't autism is such a tough thing to understand but in the last several years for whatever reason and I'm not questioning it just thankful it's kind of manifests itself a little bit differently and she does so much better thank God about being out and about now in fact if the chaos is going crazy, we love to affectionately call this place the People's Zoo, affectionately, most of the time. <laughs> she loves to be sitting right in the middle of the chaos, and she thinks it's all about her. She likes to be She's the, sassy. You know, the center of it all. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hilarious, but we're so thankful that it's shifted to that. But she has been such a steadfinder to us about what really matters in life. It takes mm-hmm. so little to make her happy. Y'all, y'all know her and have seen her. I mean, she always has the same two toys in her hand that we have many backups because let's tell you what you have is two toys. (laughs) But she loves to just hinge her two toys. She loves Barney the Dinosaur. All right, moms that are listening. Yes. So for 23 years straight, I've been hearing Barney the Dinosaur. But what? It's okay. I don't even hear it anymore. She she is just a happy little girl. At 15, life kind of threw us another major curveball. She had her very first tonic-clonic grand mal seizure, uh, horrifying, absolutely mm-hmm. one of the scariest things that we've ever seen. Um, but she was diagnosed with epilepsy. And so this has been a major challenge the last six years. She lives on a lot of medicine. She has a lot of different things that we manage on a daily basis. She has several other, you know, major health challenges, but again, they could always be worse. And we're so grateful for what she doesn't have. She, I mean, I guess the greatest thing I could say about her is she just brings joy to everyone that comes in contact with her, certainly to us every day. So that's a little bit about my sweet girl. Wow. Jeannie, girl, your plate is full. Let me ask a question. Do you have any help outside of your husband and Emily with Yeah, that's Dana? a good question. Yes. So God has, man, he's been good to us with the people that have been in her life and in our lives for 20 years. I mean, I'm talking from aides at school. I mean, she was blessed to have the same age from the time she turned three and started school until she was 16. That is like, was like another mom to her. Cause you know, at school she was there five days a week mm-hmm. there, you know, almost more than she was home during the weekdays, doctors and therapists and things that just have been such a blessing to us. But as far as in the home, we have never had full-time help. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it is just so difficult to find people, A, that you trust, that you trust that can handle like different things that happen. I mean, Emily has had to do the Heimlich maneuver on her before as a 17-year-old. And thank Mm -hmm. God Emily sprung into action and knew what to do. We were always super careful, too, with Emily. We didn't ever want her. We wanted her to be her sister. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't want her to have to be the one 
being the parent and Dana required a little more of that when her autism was really challenging. And I mean, she would plop down and you could about took an army to get her little tiny self up <laughs> if she didn't want to do something. You know, we didn't want to put Emily in the position of having to do some of the things yeah. that you wouldn't have to regularly do for a sibling. You know, we yeah. were just trying to kind of, but having said that, Emily is more than willing, but Emily is now an adult, works a full-time job and has her own life, but loves anytime she gets with Dana. But when we moved to West Palm Beach, this was just a huge, huge blessing. There's a, a young lady that grew up, I've known her since she was two years old, grew up in our church in Keystone, her whole family, just wonderful Christian family. And it was a tough decision, but we knew we were moving away from all of our family, from all of our support group, all of Dana's doctors and helpers and things. And we prayed long and hard about it. And we invited Alyssa, who had started babysitting Dana when she was about 17. Mm -hmm. She's now 30. She actually moved with us to West Palm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And she has a regular other job and all that. But it was just to have another person there when James was out of town a lot. If I mean, we had, you know, random hospital stays and things. So to answer your question, we do have her help a couple days a week. And those are the days that I try to like cram in things I need to go do, especially since the pandemic. And we're going to talk about that, not being able to take Dana many places and things. So we do have that. We do not have, you know, someone that's here every day. We do 98% of every bit of her self-care and all that because mm -hmm. I want to do it. I'm her mama, but I also have to let be on my normal guard of wanting to do it all and mm -hmm. accept help sometimes because I need, you know, and that's been hard, but we need it. So yeah. yes, we do have that now on a on a little bit, you know, a little bit of a basis. That's good. So yeah. Jeannie, what are some suggestions that you would have for parents who may receive that same diagnosis for their baby? What can you speak into these moms and dads? Yeah, I think the first thing is just take it one moment at a time and allow yourself to feel scared. Allow yourself to feel sad. That's okay. Those are normal emotions that God gave us. And I think those are totally warranted and to be expected mm -hmm. when you get information like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, the most critical thing is to lean into Jesus like never before. Find others that have been on this path ahead of you to learn from and to share your feelings with. Ask questions you have and don't feel ashamed to ask them. I mean, man, my head and I, this is just sort of how I process things. I got my hands on everything I possibly could because I wanted to educate myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, you can't know everything, but I wanted to have some idea of what this meant. What, what were we entering into? So ask those questions. I was, I was blessed to have a wonderful pediatrician, godly, yeah. godly man that, he let me ask anything and everything and he would answer it as best as he could or point me to some information that could help. I think another thing is just consider it a privilege that God's chosen you for such a task. Yeah. It may not be something you feel early on, but I promise it is something you will see recently in the last several years. And Kristen knows this family, but we've got sweet friends in Jacksonville that had a fourth child way unexpected, way late. Their other three girls were, two were teenagers. One was almost a teenager. Found out their little guy was going to have Down syndrome. And I'm telling you, it shook their world. They mm -hmm. just could not wrap their heads around it. And we were able to minister to them and love on them and talk to them and say, it, it, we promise you, it's going to be okay. And now you have never seen anybody more of an activist for Down syndrome babies. For, I mean, this mama is a rock star and they could not imagine their lives without him, but it's a, it's a big shot. But here's where I want to share, and this will explain to the people listening what the title to this session meant. One of the most special things that was shared to us from a nurse, actually, while we were in the hospital, one of the same ones that was 
really shocked. He came in the day after and he had had this beautifully printed on a, on a thing for me and framed. And we've had the privilege of going into the hospital many times over the years to love on and encourage parents who have given birth to a special needs child without knowing. Mm. And that are just totally don't know, can barely breathe. And this is something that we've always been able to share with them. It's called Welcome to Holland. And this was actually written by a mom. And I just think this is going to bless your heart. I hope it does like it blesses mine. And this is how it starts. It says, I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it would feel. And it's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to, to Italy. Let's just say to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks. You make your wonderful plans, the Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy all my life. I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. You must learn a whole new language and you will meet a whole new group of people you never would have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And they're all bragging about a, what a wonderful time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever totally go away because the loss of that dream is a very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, very lovely things about Holland. And I just, oh my gosh, I still get chills every time I read that poem. <laughs> You're making us cry here. Like there are tears Listen, all over the studio. I'm, about to cry too. I'm trying to keep it together, but I can certainly attest to the fact that Holland is absolutely beautiful. It's unlike any, any other place I've ever been. And I've gotten to go to some pretty cool places, but it also comes with what sometimes seems like unsurmountable challenges, but God's mercies are new every day. That's one, oh man, that's one scripture I've claimed and still claim on a daily mm. basis. You know, He's faithful. He guides us each step of the way. And parenting, it's hard no matter what. I'm not saying yeah. my parenting journey is any harder than anyone's else. Parenting is hard no matter what. But God gives us, you know, that strength and wisdom we need to face each challenge. And he gives us joy in the journey. I feel like when we surrender our kids to him, when we went to college that we heard our chancellor say to us over and over and over, and it's so true, he would just say, you know, children are not ours. They are simply on loan to us from God. Mm -hmm. That's hard to wrap our minds around because we can't imagine that anyone could love our kiddos more than we do, mm -hmm. yet God does. And they're just on loan to us from God. And so I just think when we can wrap our minds around that and surrender our kids to him, that no matter where we are, that God's going to give us joy in that journey. So I just wanted to share that poem and hope it, you know, ministers to someone like it has to us for so many years. Well, I know that it will. And it has us this morning. So Jeannie, you've talked a lot about the Lord and how, you know, he has sustained you through this beautiful yet hard journey with Dana. But sometimes he, he does that through, through people, you know, in, oh, yeah. in our lives. And 
one of the biggest people in your life who has walked this with you is James. So tell me how your husband, James, has played a role in, in the development of Sweet Dana. Yeah, my husband, man, I, I couldn't do anything I do without his love and support. And I could not be more thankful for him. He has always been so hands on with both of our girls. And I do not take that lightly. I mean, I know I have friends that say, man, my husband will die before he would change a dirty diaper. And I'm like, "Woo, man, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> has never sh- I mean, he has always been willing to do, get his hands dirty, do everything he could do that I did. Obviously, except, you know, there's some things, you know, what we're talking about, like feeding baby, he, you know, he couldn't help too much with that part. But he has always been willing to jump in there and do everything that I've done and helped wherever he could. And he's always juggled many different things. You know, he was pastoring a church. He was when Dana was a baby, he was right in the middle of getting his doctorate and he had to take a pause from that because our family, we needed the extra focus there. And, and man, after pausing for almost a year and a half, he went back and I'm so proud of him that he completed that, but he's always juggled many different things to help with the extra demands that come with having a special needs child. And one of the biggest things, even when he can't be there physically, he encourages me. He's my sounding board. He's my biggest cheerleader because we know obviously as the mom, most of the daily tasks fall on us. You know, I was yeah. blessed to be able to be a stay-at-home mom and, and be at home with my girls. And so a lot of those daily tasks and decisions fell on me. But he always let me know how much he trusted me. He let me know that he he trusted me and knew that I could make good decisions and that he had that faith in me. And next to God, he has always put me and our girls first. And I am I am just so, so thankful for that. With a child like Dana, his roles and duties have extended a whole lot further than even I'm sure even he would have ever imagined. He has to help with her daily needs when I'm not there to do it. And he does it. He does it with great joy. He does it with great respect of her and the situation. And Dana can't do most of the things we do for ourselves. So we have to do those for her. We take, we, you know, we take her to the bathroom every time she can now feed herself, but we have to prepare her food and puree it. She's, she, um, she chokes. And so, you know, there's just different things. And that's just, those are just little tidbits of kind of what goes into our daily routine. So James has just been able to really help too. This has been really cool to see how he's been able to speak into the lives of, of some other special needs dad. One of our dear friends, who's also a pastor that we actually just lost to COVID. So be in prayer for his family. And they have mm-hmm. a very dependent special needs daughter. Mm-hmm. But when she was hitting those teenage years and things, you know, and he was struggling with it, you know, am I, how am I supposed to still help and this and that, you know, James was able to kind of walk him through. And he's, mm-hmm. he's done that for several dads that are saying, these, these are different duties than I expected. And to reassure them that God didn't make any mistakes in making them that child's dad either. And that, that it was you know, needed and okay to help with some different things than they may have imagined. We do have a lot of routines in place in our home to make sure our needs are met. And I just, I just couldn't ask for a more supportive husband or father to our girls. And man, both of our girls, they adore their daddy. He is their hero. And I am so thankful that they have a godly and hands-on dad to look up to. And and they just couldn't have a greater man to have as their hero. So he's awesome. I could talk about him all day too, but <laughs> we can all know, talk about our husbands yeah, all day. <laughs> we could, cause let me tell you, I know you three and I know your three husbands and we are all some of the most blessed ladies in the world. Mm-hmm. Jeannie, so thank so you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that wonderful information. I mean, yeah. your story itself is just 
mind blowing. And I know we're we're encouraging so many moms that need to hear this that might feel alone in this journey. But I want to encourage you, mom. We're not we're not done. We have part two, and it's coming. And yes, we have more questions that you're probably asking. You're like, wait a second, we haven't asked her about this and that. <laughs> we have it on part two, so we have part two coming up. So stay tuned for that. But Jeannie, thank you so much for sharing oh, in part one you. all this amazing information about your beautiful family and beautiful Dana. So stay tuned, ladies, for part two. This has been part one with Jeannie. Welcome to Holland, mother and a special needs child. And we're going to say goodbye until part two. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. Bye. Bye. Bye.